Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are taking a break from our recent studies on hell and spiritual warfare and we're going to be focusing on the recent holiday that many have celebrated which is Resurrection Day. Many also call it Easter and I'm so excited to remind everybody of what this day truly means. So we're going to be talking a lot today about how Jesus told his disciples of his death several times. And it's going to be critical to understand this because when we celebrate Resurrection Day, we need to understand that this is a memorial of a divine event of mankind, right? And I'm talking about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and the coming of the Holy Spirit, all that good stuff. And of course, Jesus dying and overcoming the grave so the Holy Spirit could have a way to come to earth. Amen. So today we're going to discuss the following. First is that Jesus foretold of his death and resurrection many times. Two, we're going to discuss how the disciples forgot and doubted him. Can you imagine doubting Jesus? But the disciples did before this time when the Holy Spirit was on earth. So the Holy Spirit was not available to them. So they doubted. Three, Jesus did something to remind the disciples of what he had said. And we're going to talk about that. And four, we're going to confirm from the Bible the reason of his death and resurrection. Amen. So let's jump right in and open your Bibles to John 2. We're going to be reading verses 19 to 22 here. And Jesus is speaking to the Jews and his disciples. And it says, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? Verse 21, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Amen. So first example, Jesus foretelling of his death and resurrection. Amen. He also speaks of this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, who is Jesus, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So this was actually Apostle Paul sharing that Jesus will descend into hell. And remember, Jesus can descend into hell. It doesn't mean Jesus is bad. It means that Jesus has all authority Amen. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples. So again, Jesus is showing the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So Jesus kept sharing about his death and resurrection ahead of time. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection again in Matthew 17, 22 to 23. And it reads, now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, so again, speaking to the disciples, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. 
and they were exceedingly sorrowful. So the disciples were very sad to hear this, but Jesus had said it. Even in Mark 9, 9, it says, now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the son of man had risen from the dead. Very similar to what we just read. And Jesus is saying this on repeat. It's very clear. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection a third time in Mark 10. We're going to read verses 32 to 34. And it says, now they were on the road going to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. 33, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Is that enough verses to support that Jesus shared what was to come? How many times does Jesus need to say it? Right? And how many times must his disciples hear it from Jesus himself, of all people, that he will be killed and rise on the third day? This same principle can be applied throughout many things that Jesus commands. Jesus only speaks the truth and he tells us the way things must be. He's a very clear God. So how many times do we need to hear him? So in this case, as I said earlier, the disciples heard all of this and still they managed to forget the things that he said and they managed to doubt him. The disciples did not take what Jesus said seriously. If they took it seriously, they would have remembered these things. I want to take you to Luke 24 and we're going to spend a lot of time in this book. And you're going to see that it is appropriate for Resurrection Day because it is critical information that you and I must know and a reason as to why many will say he is risen. So Luke 24, I'm going to start in verse one. And it says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So just to give you some background, this is resurrection day. This is after Jesus had been crucified on the cross. His body was put in the tomb right? So this is resurrection day. This is three days later, just as Jesus said, okay? And this happened on a Sunday, and this is why the first day of our week is Sunday. Continuing on in verse two, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. So you see here, angels appeared before them and reminded them what Jesus had said. Verse eight, and they remembered his words. They returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. So the apostles did not believe them. Remember, this was before the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned earlier. They lacked this wisdom. So it was very easy for them not to believe, right? They needed the wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Continuing on in Luke 24, I'm in verse 12. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb 
and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So what's interesting to call out here and what supports not having the Holy Spirit is that Peter didn't believe first. He had to see it. Let's continue reading. Next, Jesus shows himself to the disciples. Let's read in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus walked with the disciples. He just showed up and essentially was like, hey, what, what are you guys talking about? He joined in. Verse 16, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So what that means in verse 16 is the disciples did not recognize that that was Jesus. Continuing in verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God in all the people. So what's funny here is that Jesus himself is asking what things, because of course he knows, but he's still asking. This will be clear why he's doing this later on. Continuing in verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So Jesus said this to them. And Jesus said, you fools. So Jesus is saying, why are you surprised? You're told these things. You see, Jesus talked this way, you fools. Why? Because it's true. How foolish. The the disciples sound so foolish. They were told these things again and again and again. And here they are face to face with Jesus. They cannot see him, right? They cannot see him and still their doubt is so visible. Continuing in verse 26. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what does that mean in verse 26? Jesus continued, you fools, and then he preached to them. And still, the disciples did not recognize him as Jesus. Verse 28, then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. So finally, verse 30, Jesus was doing things that was familiar to the disciples, things that he had done with them before he was crucified. Right? So finally, the disciples are like, I know this man, right? Jesus saw that their eyes were opened 
and Jesus's purpose was fulfilled. What was his purpose? In other words, why was he asking questions he knew the answer to? Why was he walking with them? He wanted to reveal himself to them. So once he was revealed, he vanished. That was his purpose, right? Continuing in verse 32, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So the disciples were discussing amongst themselves, realizing that they had felt something when he was preaching. In other words, we should have known that. We should have known that was Jesus. 33, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. So something I want to point out here is that the disciples rose up at that very hour. It was already very late, right? That's why they had asked Jesus to stay with them. Hey, Jesus, don't go any further. They didn't know it was Jesus, of course, but they asked him to stay with them because it was so late. But they're so excited at this point. They've got such great news that they left. They arose. They were in such a rush to tell the others. Amen. 34, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. You see, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus does many things that are familiar to us when he wants our attention. You know, my pastor has been on many mission trips and oftentimes you're going to see Jesus in his itinerary. So what do I mean here? For example, my pastor has received upgrades on the airplane going from the back of the airplane all the way up to seat 7A. And then on the next flight again, maybe 7B. Seven is Jesus's number of perfection. Even the the gates that the flight is at, gate seven. This is true. And it is a way that the Lord will confirm, hey, this is my will. Keep going. I'm here with you, right? Isn't that so uplifting, especially if you're headed out to the mission field, to a place where it's unknown ground to you. It's unknown in general, but you're going in obedience and the Lord is showing up in all these ways saying, hey, I'm here with you. Go. He is so consistent that even the van that picked up my pastor in one specific mission trip had a license plate of 0007. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. Even I myself, when I dream, if the Lord has a message for me or wants to talk to me, he makes it very apparent that he's getting my attention. So I've acknowledged a specific reoccurring thing in my dreams, whereas I'm usually in a very familiar environment. So perhaps my house, when I'm dreaming in my own house, I can look around and I could see things that I put down in real life outside of the dream that same day. So if I left a cup on the table, there it is, right? If I left a blanket on the couch, there it is. It catches my attention. Now it's really being in my own home in general. But my point is Jesus does this for me because it's familiar to me. He has something to say and then I listen, right? I'm able to recall this dream so much quicker because I'm I'm also watching in the spirit. Amen. Continuing on with our teaching, I'm now in verse 36. And it says, now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So now all the disciples are talking that Jesus is alive. Verse 40, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So continuing to convince them that he is in the flesh, that he is Jesus. He's saying, look at my hands. I have flesh. Watch me eat this food. I have risen from the dead. It's true. But still they did not believe him. So Jesus said this to them. 
Verse 42, so they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So again, showing them, I can eat food. Verse 44, and then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, and that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Okay. So there we have it. There is the reason for all of this. Here is the reason why it was necessary, right? So that we can preach repentance and remission of sins to all the world. Today, people preach things and today people don't want to hear about it anymore because it's too much or repetitive. Me personally, I've heard feedback from those who don't want to hear about repentance because they've already heard it before. But the problem is there's still a need to preach it because people aren't repenting. As long as people aren't doing this, we need to spread the gospel, right? If Jesus has not come back yet, it's because there's an opportunity for those to implement repentance into their lives rather than shut it out. There is still time by the grace and mercy of God today. This should be preached to all nations. And what we read was it started in Jerusalem. Jesus said that. Verse 48, And you are witnessing of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power on high. Amen. So in verse 48 and 49, which we just read, this is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit because again, it was not on earth. Jesus had to die and be resurrected first. And he is now foretelling of his coming. And by his, I mean the Holy Spirit. Amen. 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. I want to ask you some questions. So Jesus told the disciples many times, but they did not take him seriously and did not believe him. The disciples continued to doubt, though they had been told and even reminded again several times. The disciples were so surprised and doubted Jesus, even in the flesh. There was so much doubt before the Holy Spirit, right? And I've mentioned that a couple of times and I really want to drive it home. There was so much doubt before the Holy Spirit. The disciples even when reminded, they doubted. Can you imagine being reminded by Jesus himself and still doubting? With what we just read, what did Jesus continue to do? He continued to try to convince them. He gave them a chance to believe. You cannot believe in doubt. It's like oil and water. They just don't mix. It doesn't make sense. How can you believe but doubt? That's like a partial belief, which is a full doubt. Jesus was doing everything he could to convince the disciples, but it was up to the disciples to be convinced. Jesus showed up in the flesh, right? Look at my hands. He ate food saying, hey, I'm real. Watch this essentially, right? Jesus wants us to believe and he was persistent. He wants us to believe and not doubt him. You know, sometimes our prayers are on repeat because we doubt the Lord. You know, the word says to ask and believe and you will get it if it's his will for you. 
praying on repeats no different than praying the rosary prayer. It goes nowhere. If you are praying for personal gain, just ask once and don't doubt. Me personally, there was a time in my life where I was foreseeing debt enter my life. It was after college. I didn't have a great job at that time. And I didn't know how I was going to pay these bills, but I prayed to the Lord, Lord. And what I had said was, and I had prayed this before, but I realized I just kept praying it. And I said, Lord, I know that I keep praying for this. And this is the last time I'm going to ask because I believe that you will do it if it's your will for me. So Lord, if it's your will, please touch the heart of my dad to pay for my college. Long story short, my dad had always told us college was paid for, but the enemy did a number in my family and I was separated from my family, so I lost that blessing. At this time in my life, I was reconnecting with my dad, amen? And the Lord made it happen. And it's because I came to him, I humbled myself, I acknowledged my error, and I let him know if this is your will, this is the last time I'm asking. And he did it that very day, amen? Jesus is gonna do anything to get our attention to remove doubt completely. So in the example of my pastor on the way to the mission field, he wanted my pastor to know, I'm with you. Do not doubt, I'm here. Amen, is that not uplifting? You know, what should Jesus do today? Show himself? No, Jesus is not going to show himself before his second coming. You know, some people die even and their souls are temporarily transported into heaven and they return to their body and they have this powerful testimony of their experience. I've heard them. Have you heard somebody with this testimony? But still, these same people that have this mighty experience, they don't believe. Some souls even go to hell temporarily. And hell is real, everyone. Their souls return to their body and they share a powerful testimony. And then what? Nothing. How many ministries actually come from experiences like this? It needs to be more than just a testimony. Your stories and experiences with the Lord need to be more than just a testimony. It should birth a ministry, a movement to preach repentance, right? To make disciples. Some have this experience and they just end up sharing as a guest on an interview. And I'm not saying that's bad, but if that's all you do, is just share your story, that's not a ministry. Our testimonies give us the convincing power to share the gospel with others. Our testimonies support what it is that we say from the gospel. You need to share your testimony, but also preach repentance and truly evangelize people. You know, in Luke 16, we have read about the rich man and Lazarus on this podcast before. So I'm going to paraphrase and encourage you to read this on your own time. But the rich man wanted to share with his family that hell is real. He had died and he, his soul was transported to hell and he wanted to warn the others. And he thought if one went from the dead, surely they would believe and they would decide differently. He was talking to Abraham and Abraham said, no one will believe the dead preaching. The living must preach and testify and convince that Jesus is coming soon. And there is work we all must do. Amen. So what can Jesus do? to modern day Christians so that they will seriously serve him. Even better, what do we do daily to serve him? How many hours a day do you truly give him or do I truly give him? If you're not serving him, that's not holy Christianity. We can't just eat, sleep, and work in the real world and expect to see him in the clouds. Where's the relationship in that? So what do you do? What do you do for him? And you have to answer that personally for yourself. I can't tell you that. I'm just reiterating the word of God. 
Jesus gave us six days during the week and just one day for the Sabbath. But when we truly serve him, we're truly serving him consistently. He's the center of everything in our life. And today, the power of resurrection did not have power over the people. If the disciples didn't listen to Jesus when he said things many times, they aren't going to listen to you. Can we agree on that? If Jesus is in the flesh, right, and he could not convince many, despite sharing the truth and demonstrating great miracles, how much more difficult will it be for us to convince somebody? But we must be faithful because we know what God commands us. God is with those carrying out his will. He is with those carrying this burden. We still go. Why? Because he died. So the preaching of repentance would begin. Where did it start? Remember? Jerusalem. Jesus is doing everything to convince the world today, but it is the world who cannot recognize him. Jesus is going to show up in your circumstances to open your eyes just as he showed up to the disciples. And Jesus suffered and resurrected so the remissions of sins can be preached. Who's going to preach it? We must. It's you and it's me. We are called to preach the gospel, to preach repentance and the remission of sins. Jesus said so. Don't doubt Jesus. Don't doubt him. When you start to think of doubt, rebuke yourself. Do it out loud. When you doubt him, that's a sin. You know, and it's the word of God. And I'm going to close with this. Say to the mountain, move, and it will move without a doubt. The moment you doubt is the moment that your prayer is canceled. The moment you doubt is the moment you can no longer stand on the water. Look at how much Jesus loves us. He desires all of us to be in heaven with him. We all must repent. We all must consecrate ourselves. And it's up to you and me to fulfill the will of God in our lives. Amen? Help me to share this to others. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way to salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.